The Boost Podcast serves an energetic community of business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals who are growth-minded. If you, your business, or organization would like to share your service, product, or expertise with the Boost Podcast community, contact Kelly Leonard. Email kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Again, that's kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. In this episode, I'm chatting with Charles Johnston. He's a web designer, speaker, marketing consultant, and chief digital ninja at Heartwired Digital Solutions. They help small businesses and nonprofits define their brand identity, share their story online, so that they can increase revenue and donations. The part of Boost we cover are build your brand and optimize relationships. Hey, Charles, welcome to the Boost podcast. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here. Yes, we are glad to have you. And so for anyone who's listening in and isn't familiar with who you are or with Heartwired Digital Solutions, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm I, I'm located in Florida, and I've owned and operated Heartwired Digital Solutions for just over five years now. We turned five years in September of uh, 2021. Uh, we are a web and marketing agency that specializes in helping uh, nonprofits and small businesses is uh, define their brand um, both online and offline and that covers all aspects from web design to email marketing to print media pretty much a full service agency we started out as a web design agency and we've just continued to scale as customers have needs awesome and so happy anniversary happy five-year anniversary Thank you. it's Appreciate exciting it. i'm always excited when i hear about a small business that has made it past that pivotal five-year point because i know so many are not so fortunate and so you all are doing something right to make it beyond the five-year hump so congratulations Congratulations on that. Thank you. I much appreciate it. So now tell, tell us a little bit more about why Heartwired was founded. Well, honestly, Kelly, it started, I, I worked corporate IT for many, many years. I was, I sat in a cubicle and worked for corporate America and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, except that when I went on my first mission trip to Haiti, I went there, um, what I what I like to say is I went there really to, to support my wife and make sure that she was safe and okay. And I wasn't really going there to get my life changed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually the last night there that I, I say I had a, I don't know what you want to call it, coming to, to Jesus meeting, a, a faith changing moment when I had the opportunity to visit some orphans in a um, hospital in Port-au-Prince. Mm. And um, it, it it shook me to my core because w- the difference was I was an orphan, but I was here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and being an orphan here, you, you stand a chance. Over there, you, your chances are slim um, at best because you become part of the government's responsibility. And um, anybody that knows much about the Haitian government knows that that, that can be a quandary all of its own. Um, and when I came back that following Monday morning and sitting in a cubicle, life just it wasn't the same for me anymore. Um, I, I had this pull that I, I was supposed to be doing more. I was supposed to be making a difference. And so I started doing a little bit of soul searching. And I'm like, you know, what what do I do and how can I help? And I talked to a few 
people, the nonprofit that we went to Haiti with, as well as some other people that ran nonprofits. I'm like, so what, what do you guys need that, you know, with my skill set, what, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And the resonating factor was, well, we need somebody that, you know, we really would love to have a, a good website where it's not going to cost us thousands upon thousands of dollars. And I'm like, okay, well, I've been building websites on it as a hobby for many years. Maybe this is something I can make a business out of. Um, and so in 2016, because I went to Haiti in 2015, let me preface, um, in between 2015 and 2016, I actually went there three times. Wow. And each time I kept getting more and more involved in the community and really wanted to make a difference. And um, September of 16 is when I finally decided that, you know what, I need to do something. And so when I started my business, originally the expectation was to solely work with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that slowly evolved. Um, One, when you work with nonprofits, sometimes it's difficult because you're, you're at the, um, beckoning call of the entire board, not just one person. Um, and sometimes that can be a long game instead of a short game trying to actually get decisions made. Mm-hmm. And so in order to offset not only the cost, but also some of the, the, the added stress of that long game, I decided to evolve into working with small business owners because I see them as they're people that give back generally in their local community. They're trying to, you know, support their their local not only their economy but generally generally they're giving back in other ways besides just the the goods or wares that they happen to bring to the market and so as an entrepreneur i knew the pains that it took for me to begin my business and how hard it was and so i started to offer web design services to entrepreneurs um small businesses and solopreneurs and things of that nature and as the years have gone um like I said, I've continued to expand my market because people keep coming and saying, well, I know you do websites, but do you know somebody that can do this? Can you do that? And and so some of the things that we've made changes with such as like graphic design, logo design, things of that nature made sense to continue to um, expand the, the scope of our services because it was something that our, our clients need, both as nonprofits as well as the for-profit market. And so like any other company, we continue to evolve and we still are evolving to this day. Five years later, we still are adding products. And, and sometimes it means scaling back certain products because they just didn't make sense. Um, and as an entrepreneur and and a solopreneur at that because I'm the, uh, the only bit, the owner of the business, you know, every, every bump that I, that I learn from, um, I don't have necessarily somebody else navigating the path for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning just like any other entrepreneur does along the way and best way to figure out the, you know, and how to serve, um, our customer base. And so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey, but I, I honestly, Kelly, I, I love every minute of it. That's nice. why I get up every day. Nice. Well, I think that the missional focus helps you stay on task because you are working and living in your in your purpose, probably. So that's what's helping to fuel the the passion and to help propel the organization forward. And as the wife of a Haitian American, I definitely appreciate the attention and the care that you have um, provided to the country of, of Haiti by serving through missions work. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And, and it's kind of funny because uh, most people wouldn't even recognize when they look at like my logo, for example, I, I hired a, gra- a local graphic designer that did, he did work with some pretty big brands. I hired him um, to rebrand my um, company about three years ago. 
because the original name just didn't make sense. It was Hardwired Technical Solutions instead of digital, and there was some confusion in the logo and whatnot. Um, that being said, the, the logo that we currently use, there is a, a large number of aspects of the logo itself that have um, Haitian background. Wow. Um, for, for example, the color schemes are all Haitian, are, are all colors that came from the Haitian flag. Mm -hmm. The little tree that's at the top of our logo is actually the same tree that's used in the Haitian flag because it's, and, and most people would, you know, they see, okay, you're using red, red, blue, and yellow. That really doesn't mean anything, but there actually is meaning behind the brand because it, it is a representation of where we came from. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure that that was the story itself continued to, to evolve as the brand did and, and was represented appropriately. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that backstory because I did not know that. So that's great to know. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, websites. And essentially, what is what is the importance of a website in relation to someone's brand versus social media? Um, first and foremost, and I, and, I, and I can't tell you how many times I share this, Kelly, uh, on social media, you own nothing mm. at the end of the day. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you, you don't. I mean, you, you put content out there all day long, but you own absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And I have actually seen personally and, and heard horror stories where, you know, there's a brand that's put their entire business on social media. They happen to do something that, and I won't name the social media, but they happen to do something they don't like. And all of a sudden they're out of business mm -hmm. because they lost their page. They mm -hmm. lost what everything. And on a website, you own whatever you put out there. Um, and any any web agency that's worth their grain of salt should also just hold steady to that. Where when we develop a website, we hand it over to our client. It is theirs. Mm -hmm. We no longer hold the keys to it. Um, we are firm believers that you know our clients should have be empowered to operate their website to whatever capability that they feel comfortable. Sure, we maintain and we make sure that they stay safe, but we want them to actually be able to have that that skill set, and we even train them to operate their website. And ultimately, you want to use social media as a subset to your website. Mm -hmm. um, everything that you do on social media should be pointing to your website because that's really where your presence is. Um, I see the website as being the front door of your business, whether you're a brick and mortar or an online business. The website is where people go to get the information. Sometimes it's a transactional where they actually buy online. Sometimes it's where they just do a call to action to contact you. But that's where you should be directing them versus other mediums, which don't get me wrong. I use social media every single day for my business. And I love certain aspects of social media and I hate certain aspects mm -hmm, of social media. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I also know that the content that I put out there, I own zero of it. Yeah. And anybody, anybody can take it and anybody can do whatever they want with it and they can also take it away. And with a website, you, that's not the case. Yeah. And that's so like, <laughs> it was a good reminder. I think what we experienced recently with Instagram when it went down, well, there was a number of different sites that went down like a half day and yep. people, it was like people lost their minds because so many people were relying upon Instagram as sort of the front end revenue generation for their business to the point where, you know, it sounded like folks were trying to attempt to, to sue um, because of the fact that they lost revenue as a result of the website being down, but it's like, ooh, shame on you for <laughs> for relying <laughs> on that entirely. Exactly. I actually I actually put a poll out on my my favorite of, of social media, which is LinkedIn, and <laughs> on that day, and I'm like, so who actually missed Facebook or Instagram while they were down? <laughs> right. and, and and some of the options were 
what it was down or, you know, yes, absolutely. Or who really cares and that kind of thing. And it was kind of interesting because there were a lot of people that they were upset that it was down and other people were completely okay. Oblivious did not matter to them, but it was obvious who was actually putting too much stock into their social media because those were the ones that were, you know, obviously upset on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you would hope that that was like the really healthy wake up call for those folks who were so reliant upon the platform. It's like, okay, yeah, you need to make sure that you have your own, to your point, a storefront that you own the keys to. Otherwise, yeah, you are at the the whims of these other social media providers. And and it's interesting you say that because we actually saw a little bit of an uptick on phone calls that week. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it was, I currently am on social media, but I think I need to do something else. Mm. And, and, and I didn't, you know, say, well, did you notice on Monday that you were out? But, <laughs> but, it, but it was kind of a, a thing where you knew that's why they were calling. Yeah. Because they, they realized, okay, I'm, I'm not working today because of, you know, this outage. Um, and so, yeah, and, and it's not the first time face, Facebook or Instagram have gone down. Right. Either. Right. This just happened to be one of those that was, it was very prolonged. highly publicized, prolonged, <laughs> yes. and, it was both, and it was both of them oh, that were down. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now, per- personally, it was, personally, it's peace and quiet for me that day. <laughs> right. Right. So now, in terms of, because I know so much of what you do is in this realm of building mm-hmm. websites, do you find as a, I, I'm going to tell you, call you a website guru. I don't know if you call yourself that or not, but I, I call, am going to dub my, you. I call my, I call myself a digital ninja. Oh, that's right. The digital ninja. So as a yep. digital ninja, are there certain website platforms that you think are more user-friendly for a novice? Because I know if, if the goal is to hand the keys of the kingdom over to the client, are there certain sites where, okay, there's no coding and all this other, like it's almost like website for non-technical folk. Like, do you find that there's a preferred type of or platform that you use? There, there are preferred platforms out there and there's ones that we use two different answers to that question okay and and i and i say that because like we actually will we will dabble in pretty much any platform that you have Mm -hmm. um we have have people that can work on them but we specialize with wordpress um which wordpress has been around most people don't realize it but wordpress has been around since I want to say it was 2006, 2007, okay. somewhere around. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off as a blogging platform. Most mm-hmm. people still think of it as a blogging platform. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is WordPress currently runs, I believe the last stat I looked at was a little over 40% of the internet. Wow. That actually work, is built on WordPress. Um, and that covers anything from like Nike, IBM, the White House. I mean, various websites that you go to on a regular basis are built on a technically a blogging platform, but no, nobody would actually recognize that. Um, that being said, there is a little bit of a learning curve with WordPress versus some of the other, out of, I call them out of the box mm-hmm. site builders mm-hmm. like Wix and Squarespace and things of that nature. Um, I will usually take people off of those other platforms, mm-hmm. mainly because of the customization options. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the other ones are limited on what you can do. Some people, they're perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tend to provide um, amplified web, web experience that, you know, actually doesn't look like everybody else because mm-hmm. that's what you get when you get an out-of-the-box bo- out website is it looks very much like everybody else's. Maybe your pictures are changed, but the, the actual layout itself is the same. 
Um, and you don't have the ability to really customize, which we've got some pretty, uh, pretty savvy, uh, developers that, you know, can build APIs and things of that nature to do specific features that some of our clients need that you will never find in an out of the box thing. That being said, um, we also provide, like I said, a, a training where depending on what level you want to learn, because mm-hmm. some people don't want, they don't want anything to do with their website. They just want us to maintain it, keep it up and running, and, and they don't want to touch it. And so we never have to provide any training to them. Mm-hmm. Other, they want to know every, every aspect of it. They want to know how to you know, change pictures, change layouts, add, add things, add landing pages and things of that nature. And we'll teach you. We, mm-hmm. we, I, have, I have no problem because that is part of the product that we're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just selling you a website. We're sell, selling you the experience, and we want it to be something that you actually, like I said, you feel empowered to, to use on your own. Um, I find WordPress very easy to use. Some people would disagree with me, mm-hmm. um, but I've also been using it for quite a while. Um, I actually started started as a blogger back in 2007. Um, and so I've been utilizing the, the platform itself for quite a while and I've used numerous others. I've worked in .NET environments. I've worked with Squarespace and Wix and Weebly and all the others pretty much that are out there still to this day, WordPress is my preference. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now let's switch topics from websites and talk about brand identity a bit. Um, as a business owner, how would you suggest someone like defining and then locating their target market? Um, well, the, the, obviously the ideal is to start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I, and I say that and, and also use analytics, um, because for example, this, this is an example I use quite regularly when I started blogging for, um, I originally started blogging as a faith-based writer for men. That was my, the blog that I was going to do is going to be a faith-based blog and I was going to be specifically for guys Mm -hmm. until I found out all my, most of my guy, my readers were women. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I had to, I had to alter the voice and the tone a little bit and and the topics because of who my audience was. Granted, they were sharing their content with the men in their lives, right? Saying you need to read this kind right. of thing, but that was not my audience. And the same thing goes for a business too, where mm-hmm. you I mean, without data and and I. I'm a little bit of a data geek, so I, I, I like to see numbers and I like to see quantifiable numbers that say, you know, okay, where is your traffic coming from? Who, who are, is your audience? Because a lot of people think that everybody is their customer mm. and that is, that is the worst answer out yeah. there because unfortunately not everyone is your customer. It doesn't matter what your product does. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and so I don't think that necessarily, especially as entrepreneurs, they know for, out of the gate who that is, mm-hmm. and unless they obviously have a, a particular product or, or, or something that, that caters to a specific industry, specific gender, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they, they really don't without research. Um, and a lot of that means who, who does your comp- competition, mm-hmm. who do they cater to? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not doing competitive analysis, you may be entering a market that's, you know, already saturated and there's no sense in you being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of that comes into play long before, in my opinion, before you ever start a business. And of course, I say that I started a web design agency and there's a ton of web design agencies right where I live. Mm-hmm. What was I thinking? What? But I also know that I'm entering a market that I had a specific niche that I was right. going for that not, that not everybody targets. Yeah. And there's plenty of business out there for what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, and so it, it's really, like I said, it's identifying not only 
who's buying from you, but who you actually want to work with. Um, because I think that really makes a huge difference too. So, but how does it work? Because it's set like initially when you even talked about who your, your audience was initially, the fact that you were blogging and your intended audience was men, but you found that women were reading and sharing it with the men in, in their lives. How did you then pivot to adjust to the audience of women or, or like, how did that then work? I, I started, I started doing things that they were, that I found that they were a little more receptive to. Okay. For example, um, I started doing book reviews. I started doing product reviews. Okay. I started doing things that were still faith-based, mm-hmm. something that they could actually get involved in. They, I would do run contests for, you know, free books and things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. That actually, that, that increased the, the engagement from, from their perspective mm-hmm. that a guy's not going to likely enter into a contest to win a, a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're usually too, and I'm not saying that to be gender biased by right. any means, but, mm-hmm. but most will not right. take the time to do that um, versus women. And the guys aren't apt to share it as much mm-hmm. as, as the women seem to. Um, and, and, no, don't get me don't get me wrong. I still made sure that I used a masculine voice in in the way that I wrote and things of that nature. So it catered to to both sides. But it was is still to this day that blog is still out there. I don't I don't write on it as as much, but I still have more of a female reader base gotcha. than I ever had. And that's however many years later. Wow, um, that okay. is, it's never really. I mean, it's come down a little bit and more more engagement on the guy's side, but not as much as you would have thought. Which means that I'm just not supposed to write for guys. <laughs> gotcha. So then how often do you look at the analytics? Because I know you said ask questions and then look at the analytics. So how much is too much in terms of looking? Because I'd imagine just like, you know, when you think of trading in the stock market, like if I constantly am looking at how my stocks are performing, I would go absolutely batty. And so yep. what's do you generally recommend as a good cadence for examining analytics and based on what you see how or how often do you then have to pause and say okay well maybe I need to pivot maybe this isn't my audience because based on what I'm seeing this is not who I'm trying to attract well, as, as a standard for example with with our clients we send them a Google Analytics report once a month okay more than likely that's probably the only time that some of them look at their mm-hmm. Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. And, and that's perfectly fine because that's sufficient for them. Um, I personally probably look at our analytics a little more than your, your, your average. Mm-hmm. But that's because I, well, like I said, I like data. Mm-hmm. And I also like to see, you know, I, I get daily report. I get daily traffic reports mm-hmm. from a, from a CRM that I utilize, mm-hmm. where they tell me, you know, how many web visitors I had yesterday, and mm-hmm. tell me who they. And that information to me is vital because I am so con- I'm constantly making tweaks and changes. Some days I'm more engaged on social media than other days, and some days I send out emails, and other days I don't. And there's different things that I'm looking for on a more consistent basis to see if there's an uptick versus. Other companies that, you know, perfectly fine with not really changing their campaigns or anything like that on a monthly basis. Um, and, and But you can get to the point where it's um, analysis by process yes. where you, you get to that point where you're just you're looking at the numbers so much you never do anything. Right. Or you, you keep shifting so often that you never get any traction. Right. Um, and I look at it kind of the same way I look at SEO, for example. Most people think SEO is a short game where, you know, 
within 30 days, you should see a you know spike in your, your traffic and things like that. It's a long game. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Same thing goes with, with marketing or campaigns mm-hmm. or anything else. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen overnight. Um, it takes time and it takes um, consistency in, the, in all of those areas to actually start to, you know, well, everybody knows that, you know, Google uses robots to, mm-hmm. to read your websites and everything like that. And for you to even be noticed and beyond just a blip on their radar, you need to be doing something on a consistent basis that, that makes sense to them. And if you keep changing, they won't really know who your audience is either. And right. that's where things start to get a little skewed because they won't even want to promote you because you keep shifting the yeah. the. the the meter for them. And so. What are some of the things that you're looking for in, in the analytics report? Like what, like given, give an example of something that, okay, like t- tomorrow when I open up my analytics report, I'm specifically looking for this thing. Um, a lot of times for me, I'm looking for, like, say if I did a long form post on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I want to see if I, I actually got traction from that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I happen to send out an email, did I get any traction from that? Mm-hmm. How many people, you know, okay, I put something on my Google My Business page this week. Did I get any traffic from it or did it just, was I just wasting my time? Which granted, if you're putting on Google My Business, you're never wasting your time in my opinion. So just make sure that you utilize those because it is a Google product mm-hmm. and Google likes you to use their products. Um, and um, and so it really, it's for me as a small business, it's a matter of, what activities I've been taking in the last few days mm-hmm. that I'm looking at. Um, I'm also a small local business. Granted, I do I do business or actually globally, but we focus primarily locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of I look for you know who who came to our website from our area versus you know across the country or or in a country that we'll never serve because. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you, I also look for things like where, you know, countries that I want to start blacklisting because I'm getting too much traffic from them. Mm. Um, because there, there's, there's, there's also things that will start to skew your analytics where it looks like you're getting really good traffic, but maybe it's China, maybe it's, you know, another country that one, you're not serving Two, you know, that there, it's, it's not really legitimately a person. More mm-hmm. than likely it's probably, it's probably some bot that's trying to hack your site or something like that. And mm-hmm. so you want to start blacklisting some of those IPs or, mm-hmm. or blacklisting the country as a whole. And those are the kind of things that I start to look for, but that's because I'm looking at the, from the web perspective mm-hmm. versus the content perspective, which a lot of people are looking specifically for content and, and what you know, their campaigns, what their advertising dollars are being or doing, what's their return on investment and things of that nature. I'm looking at more that and security and everything else. And so I'm looking at the numbers a little differently probably gotcha. than your average bear. Okay. Awesome. 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 Well, no, this was really helpful. Um, thank you so much. If someone is listening and they are a small business or nonprofit and they're interested in just circling back to you to find out more about how you might be able to serve their organization, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, Online, of course, on our website, I would point to you for there first. I'd be silly not to, mm-hmm. um, which would be uh, heartwireddigital.com. And then we're also on every social, well, pretty much every social media from LinkedIn to Facebook to Instagram to TikTok, um, you name it, we're out there. Um, or, you know, obviously just feel free to give us a call at 904-660-5185. Well, okay. So I was about to land the plane on this interview, but then you said TikTok. So share with <laughs> me how... Like a business, a B2B type of organization, how businesses are using TikTok? Um, obviously, 
it's it's a platform like like anything else where it's a it's a matter of consistency. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of messaging. Um, the the difference is a lot of them are not necessarily selling products mm-hmm. out there. They're 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 more treating it as informative, um, ah. similar to like similar like YouTube, okay. where there is more of an educational thing. And of course, obviously, there's short little clips. Yep. But they once you start to come out there and, and with a level of consistency then you also start to build your brand of authority. And that's where any social media, in my opinion, is really trying to leverage your authority as a specialist in whatever field you're in, no matter what your product is. Gotcha. And TikTok, you have to find too. (laughs) Yes, yes, gotcha. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Charles, I appreciate the work that you do. Thank you for... Um, sharing your insights with the Boost podcast listening community. And I wish you a very successful next five years of business. Thank you. I appreciate it, Kelly. And thank you for having me on. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com. 